Ross Albrecht is serving two consecutive life sentences plus 40 years for creating a means for individuals to anonymously make online exchanges using Bitcoin. His actions did not create victims. For nothing more than creating a marketplace, the government locked him up and threw away the keys. Let's get Ross pardoned and get victimless crimes off of the books. Hashtag free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. That is the track, hashtag free Ross, and you have got to check it out. You don't even have to listen to it consciously if you don't want. Keep it on repeat because it helps the algorithm and all the proceeds from this track, which talks about Ross Ulbricht, of course, is in prison, as you heard in the song in the intro to this, for consecutive life sentences, simply providing a platform where people can change goods and services voluntarily. Tyler Colford, one of our longtime supporters, a fantastic artist, as you have heard in this track, is trying to help out. He's trying to help out the uh, the Free Ross Project. He's trying to help out with Lynn Ulbricht, getting him out of jail, getting him another trial. So, guys, very important that you support this track, that you support what Tyler's doing. And more than anything, you hashtag Free Ross it. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Yeah, welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 199, almost to show 200. And, you know, I actually have some massive news. The biggest news one could say this show has ever had in the history of Electric Liberty Land. And that's a little news tidbit that the one and the only Rob Schneider, uh, comedian, outspoken conservative in Hollywood, and uh, all-around great guy will be coming on this here show. Yes, that is confirmed. I have uh, been DMing with him. And yes, it's the real Rob Schneider, not uh, the guy who pretends to be other people, uh, whatever, Liberty Imposter. No, this is the real Rob Schneider. He will be coming on right after the election. So it won't be for my 200th show as I had envisioned, but in fact will be the week after that, uh, or I guess maybe two episodes after that, the way things are going to work out. So Make sure not to miss it. And also make sure not to miss next week's show, which is our annual Halloween spooktacular where much fun is had and much drinking is done. So those are two things I want to make sure you guys are aware of and tuning in for. So speaking of Hollywood, this week has been just, I don't know, ridiculous. I or I should say the week leading in because I had obviously a guest last show. I had Justin Tosi come on to talk about grandstanding at a perfect time in history. And so I'm a little, a little bit behind on the Hunter Biden East email stuff and his laptop stuff. I am going to get to that. I'm not going to spend an inordinate amount of time on it because I know a lot of you overlap. I know I am the go-to source for all things for many of you as I should be as the, uh, the most talented podcaster out there. But I do know that, of course, you know, you've got Stapleton and Smith and everybody else talking about this laptop scenario. So I will talk about it a little bit later, but I wanted to make sure that I got into some stuff that uh, other people probably are overlooking. And so I have to start off while we're promoting Rob Schneider coming on the show. We have to talk about all the other fucking dinguses out there in Hollywood who are not conservative in any way, are not, of course, libertarian, other than a few of our favorites, uh, Kurt Russell being one of them. God, it'd be great to get Kurt Russell on the show. And, of course, Vince Vaughn, but Tom Woods won't give me his email. Anyway, here's what happened over the uh, the past couple of days. So Chris Pratt is a guy who is not an outspoken Really, in, in any way politically. He's a guy that I guess used to mess around. You know, he cheated on his wife. Um, what's her face? Uh, the chick from Mom. I can't remember her name. Right now. Oh, Anna Ferris. So he, I guess, cheated on our Anna Ferris in the past. Found religion. Found Jesus. Now is uh, married happily to another woman. And living life on the straight and narrow. I don't even think he drinks anymore. Long story short, though. He's not a guy that's going out there that's rah rah rahing necessarily for the Democratic cause. I also don't see him rah rahing for any GOP causes, but he's very straightforward, man of faith, you know, man of principle kind of thing. Now, 
He also has a reputation for being a pretty good guy, just all around. You know, he's not he's not stiffing anybody on tips. He's not about whoring. He's not uh, being pictured with a crack pipe hanging out of his mouth on, say, a found laptop that was left in a, in a Delaware laptop repair shop. What he is doing, and which has drawn the unbelievable ire of Hollywood and of wokesters everywhere to the point where it was demanded that Chris Pratt be canceled and hashtag cancel Chris Pratt was trending on Twitter was that he had the gall, the fucking gall of the man to not take part in a Joe Biden fundraiser that all of these other Avengers assholes took part in. Yes, you heard right. In today's world, you don't even have to do something to get canceled. You don't have to be going out and beating people in the street. You don't have to go out and say racist words. You don't have to be caught on camera telling your maid to go back to Mexico or you're going to call INS on her if she doesn't clean the toilet properly. None of that shit. You just have to not go to a fucking Hollywood jerk-off biscuit party fundraiser for a Democratic candidate, knowing full well it might alienate half of your base, and you might not even agree with it as a guy who now probably aligns himself a little bit more with a religious right standpoint. But again, it's not vocal about it. I mean, this reminds me of like Taylor Swift. You know, everybody said, how dare, how dare Taylor Swift not be political? And I just love how these people demand these stars get political. When at the end of the day, why do we want them to be political? Why do we give a shit about them being political? Do I, Why would I care? What opinion politically does Taylor Swift has have that, that would possibly alter my viewpoint? What's Is it going to shatter my world when I hear how her ex-boyfriend that treated her badly voted? What other insight is Taylor Swift going to give me? But yet, you have all these people adoring these Avengers because they went and did this stupid-ass fundraiser. And, of course, it is uh, Don Cheadle, outspoken Democratic shill, Chris Evans, a uh, never-Trumper, and, again, super anti, you know, just TDS-riddled, Scarlett Johansson, I don't know, I, I, I suppose, makes sense. And, naturally, it followed up by uh, Paul Rudd, Mark Ruffalo, and Mark Ruffalo is another guy that just is absolutely insufferable. If you've ever followed any of his tweets on uh, the old tweet machine, just nonstop Democrat propaganda to the absolute extreme, like insufferable. I wouldn't want to be in a room alone with Mark Ruffalo because I think I'd want to fucking smack him in the mouth after about three seconds of him just nonstop yelling Democrat talking planks at me. So they get together for this event. Called, uh, let me see here. It was called Voters Assemble. And it literally said, anything you donate, this is a quote, anything you donate will be used to elect Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and Democrats up and down the ballot. So you can see why Chris Pratt would not want to take part, especially if he is now a man of, of religion and probably doesn't believe in, uh, let's say, abortion uh, you could see that falling under that, guys. And of course, every Democrat pushes super abortion time all the time. So you would understand where there could be some fall fallout between the two parties. Now, the question here is, will they ever cancel Chris Pratt? I doubt it. But it's just sickening to see this thing trending. Not because, again, not because the man went out and said that these people are jerk offs like I'm doing for getting together and and Hollywooding up. Is anything more predictable, by the way, than this? I mean, like this idiotic get out the vote YouTube campaign or ad campaign that they put out where they were all were, <laughs> I don't even understand the concept of a, they were taking their clothes off and it had like half of the, half of the people that are in this fundraiser and it got them taking their clothes off and something about getting out and voting and naked voting. I, it just, none of it made sense. But at the same time, all of it was cringeworthy and all of it was exactly why people hate Hollywood and exactly why people are turning away from Hollywood in droves. And you're experiencing right now, I'd say some of the worst content, number one, coming out and number two, at a time when Hollywood is real. And this guides me perfectly into the next thing I wanted to talk about, because you're seeing people like. I was reading an article, The Death of Hollywood, and I want to talk to Rob Schneider about this, obviously, when he comes on the show. But, you know, I just was reading that (laughs) 
in the wake of people really getting fed up with woke bullshit being shoved down their throats, right? And people really taking note and kind of avoiding these over-the-top bullshit woke-ass programs, at least I am, and I know many, many other people who are as well, you have not only this stuff happening, but at the same time, Warner Brothers, one of the major studios signing an overall deal with Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors. Now, <laughs> I had to look this up because I'm like, okay, did Warner Brothers make the Purge movies? Because that's the only thing that makes any logical sense to me that this woman would be wrapped up with movie making, right? Okay, so they're going to be like, okay, you make the next Purge film since the people in the movement that you've been you've been rah rahing against, this Marxist movement, you know, led to uh, people tearing down businesses, burning the streets, uh, massive amounts of graffiti, vandalism, violence. But no, shockingly, that was uh, Universal Studios. So you've got Patrice Cullors now getting this overall deal, which encompasses scripted and unscripted series, long-form series, animated and kids programming. That's fucking terrifying, as well as digital content. And they say, quote, together, WBTVG and Colors will look to amplify the work of the Black Lives Matter, which Colors started alongside Alicia Garza and Opal Tometi, and create more opportunities for prominent black storytelling. Now, <laughs> this is going along in a trend in Hollywood, which I have complained about before as a white male straight writer. Um, the opportunity is now, you know, it's flip-flopped so far where you're targeting a very small sector of the populace and every single workshop, every single new writers thing, every single, whatever it might be now is focused solely on either LGBTQ writers or black writers or Latino, whatever it might be, diverse writers groups, meaning they take nine out of 10 have to be these things. And then they, they lump in one writer, you know, one white person and that person's probably gay. So it's a very difficult time if you are not already in the club. If you missed out on all the good times in Hollywood where they were hiring all the Irishmen and the Jews, and I am, of course, an Irishman, and uh, you know, it's a little bit tricky for you. Now, you can argue, well, they should have been hiring more people from those populations overall. Yeah, I'd agree. But I also think that you need to hire based upon talent, not upon a quota. And, you know, we were talking about Kamala Harris, right, and how Biden had really narrowed the field to such a ridiculous extent when he's like, I'm going to hire a woman and a black woman. Okay, so you've just cut the population in half and black people make up 13% of the population. So now you're going to take 13% of 50%, you know? So you're getting 7% of the population and that's what you're narrowing it down to. And lately in Hollywood, that's what's been happening. And I'm not saying that there aren't very, very talented people out there of every color, and every creed, and every whatever you, know, every sexual—I guess you can't say sexual preference anymore, right? Even though you've been able to say that overall uh, through the entire history of the world, but now that Amy Cohen Barrett or Coney Barrett said it, uh, Webster's changed it to be offensive. Sexual preference is offensive. I don't even know what the fuck you say now. Sexual—I uh, don't even know what the phrase would be. What's a non—what's a non-offensive phrase now in 2020 to talk about who who likes to fuck what? Point being, in Hollywood now. You're getting a lot of shitty content coming out. And I saw it was a, a black writer I was following on Twitter talking about this too, is that you're seeing really shitty stuff come out. And I don't know if that is directly related to, you know, targeting a small portion of the populace and populating all of your new writing rooms with them and all of your project requirements are coming from that populace. And so you're not really getting all of the content you should be getting. Maybe you should be pulling one or two of these shows, but you shouldn't be filling your slate with garbage because you're trying to quote, you know, meet this diversity quota. And that's what we're talking about here. And this is just another step in that direction. Why would this fucking chick that's caused all of this strife that is, again, clearly Marxist in her values is using this movement now instead of actually helping black people. And let me remind you as well that Black Lives Matter funnels all of its money to the Democratic Party. There was a time where, where the website just immediately redirected you to the Democratic Party and, and vote blue. And this is at a time when, I mean, we're seeing unprecedented levels of African-American black populace look to 
go out of the Democratic Party, look to other places, start figuring out that the Democratic platform and everything they put into place has not helped them. But this chick, instead of using all this money, all this, I, I don't see her helping actual reforms being made. I don't see her out there talking about the drug war. I don't see her talking about actual functional change. I don't see her talking about school choice. I don't see her talking about stopping the welfare pipeline and the and the prison pipeline that's re- a result of the drug war of trying to stop the over policing in these in these uh, you know these black areas or trying to stop black on black violence. None of that is being discussed. None of that's being talked about. All it is is blaming people, blaming the white people, blaming the patriarchy, blaming the white you know white supremacy and all this other horseshit, funneling money in, and now she gets a TV deal. Now she gets an overall movie deal. It just seems to me that she started this movement and has now become pretty much an opportunist. Good job, Patrice Colors. Way to use all of that money to, to pull all that influence, all that, that vitriol that you built up to enrich your pockets and start spewing out shitty content because you are not a fucking TV writer. You are not a content creator. You're a pain in the ass who started a movement that quickly became obvious that it was being co-opted by a very extreme element, and you were fine with that. You were fine with the violence. You were fine with the burnings. You were fine with the beatings. And now we're going to reward you with millions and millions of dollars. I mean, this is an unbelievably stupid move by Warner Brothers. Unbelievably stupid. We've seen, you know, there is the phrase, get woke, go broke. You're going to see it play out again here. Absolutely moronic. Oh. And, and I hope it's I hope this isn't something that we see, uh, you know, a race to the bottom on with other networks following suit. I hope we don't see that now that Warner Brothers has this check. Oh, well, if she's going to be creating content, well, we better race and sign the other two idiots. Just fucking pathetic. All right. Well, let's turn to something else. I uh, did not watch the town halls that happened. Uh, frankly, I just, I don't know why. I mean, adversarial Trump town hall, you know, whatever, no interest. I I heard some of the highlights. I heard, you know, Trump getting asked about QAnon, which is pretty funny and pretty blatant considering Hunter Biden now, uh, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, Hunter Biden's laptop is reportedly or allegedly filled with uh, him taking part in some child porn. But yeah, I just, I don't care. I, I want to see a direct debate. I don't want to watch Trump answer loaded questions from a clearly biased reporter. I don't want to see Joe Biden answer questions from George fucking Stephanopoulos. You know, the a guy who literally worked for the Clinton White House and has been a Democratic shill his entire life. Why do I want to see him throw softballs to Joe Biden? Uh, and also on top of that, I was reading how funny they literally had people that were speechwriters for Obama asking Biden questions at this town hall. Shouldn't it be the everyman? <laughs> Maybe a speechwriter. I mean, how funny is that? In the world of these liberal elites now, they're like, well, let's find a real everyman. Who can we get just a con in here that really is down, you know, has their nose to the grindstone that can really connect with the common man? Well, I heard Obama's speechwriter's out of work. Yeah, excellent. Bring him in. Or her. I don't know who wrote Obama's speeches. I figured it was some sort of lizard person from the stars. So... Anyway, I wanted to play one clip, though, from the Joe Biden uh, town hall that he did because I just thought it was so weird and so stupid and so funny. So let me cue this up. And this is where Joe Biden was asked about. uh, Actually, I'll give one thing. Stephanopoulos did give Joe Biden a little bit of flack because he had to on the court packing issue. And again, Joe Biden, he's like, oh, I'm not not a fan, but we have to see what they're going to do, which is just code for I'm definitely going to pack the court as soon as Coney Barrett gets in there. But. To his credit, Joe Biden did go through exactly what the arguments against court packing are, which are the same ones that I have, which is that you are basically pressing a nuclear war button. And he lays it out, and it's exactly what's going to happen. If you pack the court, then the opponents are going to pack the court back and forth and back and forth forever. You better hope that you get a, you know both the House and the Senate, and you can somehow up the rules again to make it so that you have to have a higher threshold for confirming these people. But still... You're undermining everything. Like, I get that there weren't always nine Supreme Court justices. I get it. I get that there were five. I get that there were 12. I get that it has changed over time. 
It doesn't mean that I or anybody else in this country necessarily, except these crazy woke liberals who just lust for power, want to fuck with that system right now. If anything, I think it has too much power. Why would I want to give one political party so much more power to just add on to it and cram that thing full of bullshit for four years and then try to push as much horrible rulings and horrible legislation through as they possibly could in that time period? I mean, it would be an arms race to literally end the country. And I think we're already on that trajectory, mind you. But anyway, getting back, Stephanopoulos did uh, bring up uh, transgender issues. So let me play this Biden clip because it just was classic Joe Biden. What the fuckery? And speaking of Joe Biden, what the fuckery? I had some what the fuckery of my own you're about to hear because somehow... Yeah, I said I had a long day yesterday. My brain completely skitzed out. I had a Joe Biden elderly dementia moment here, wherein you're about to hear me say 1930s after you hear this clip and hear me rant about it. I'm going to say 1930s several times. Don't know why. Clearly meant 1950s. I don't think Joe Biden's driving around with a Tommy gun, but I guess we all make mistakes. However, that mistake did keep me up from about 1.30 a.m. till 4.30 a.m., stewing in bed, furious that I had to get up and fix it, but I could not because I did not want to wake my sleeping baby and wife in the next rooms. So anyway, back to the show. We all make mistakes. Enjoy the idiocy that I will put on display for you. Oh, also, I forgot to mention, I was on the Invictus Vine podcast this week, so give that a listen, too. All right comes from Mika Hack. She's from uh, State College, Pennsylvania. This is we the first presidential Penn election State! that you're voting. Yes. Had to bring Hi, that Mika, up. How you are know you? all the lines of liberty are from um, I'm good, yes. thank you. Um, I'm the proud mom of two girls, eight and ten. My youngest daughter is transgender. Just a quick pause there. An eight-year-old girl is transgendered. I, how do we know? She's eight years old. She is is she transitioning? Have you already started giving her hormone treatments? I mean, this is the kind of thing that makes you pause. An eight-year-old girl is transgender. And you've seen a lot of research into this where peer pressure plays a lot of roles in this as well. So there's a lot of questions as to whether this girl really is going to be transgender. If she is, fine, but I don't know, worrying. Anyway. The Trump administration has attacked the rights of transgender people banning them from military service, um, weakening non-discrimination protections, and even removing the word transgender from some government websites. How will you, as president, reverse this dangerous and discriminatory agenda and ensure that the lives and rights of LGBTQ people are protected under U.S. law? I will flat out just change the law. Every, eliminate those executive orders, number one. You may recall, I'm the guy who said, uh, I was raised by a man who, uh, I remember I was being dropped off. My, my, my dad was a high school educated, well-read man who uh, was a really decent guy. And I was being dropped off to get, get an application in the center of our city, Wilmington, Delaware, the corporate capital of the world at the time. And these two men, I'm getting out to get a, an application to be a lifeguard in the African-American community because it was a big swimming pool complex. And, uh, and these two men, well-dressed, leaned up and hugged one another and kissed one another. And I'm getting out of the car at the light, and I turn to my dad. My dad looked at me and said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. The idea that an 8-year-old child or a 10-year-old child decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It may make my life a lot easier. There should be zero discrimination. And what's happening is too many transgender women of color are being murdered. They're being murdered. I mean, I think it's up to now 17. Don't hold me to that number, but it's, 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 it's higher now. Yeah. And that's just this year. And so I promise you, there is no reason to suggest that there should be any right denied your daughter or daughters, whichever, one or two, one, one, your daughter, that your other daughter has a right to be and do. None. Zero. And by the way, my son, Bo, passed away, was the attorney general of the state of Delaware. He was the guy who got the first transgender law passed in the state of Delaware. And uh, because of a young man who became a woman, 
uh, who uh, worked for him in the attorney general's office. Okay, so (laughs) there's a lot to question there. Number one, are we really going to believe for a fucking second that Joe Biden at what what would he he's saying he got out his dad dropped him off when he was a kid he was going to get a lifeguard application I like how he slips in there that this is in a black community right I'm sure Joe Biden's white ass is going into the black community to become a lifeguard number one but he, he slips it in number two Joe Biden says okay I was a kid Okay, if he's getting if he's going to be a lifeguard and his dad's dropping him off, that means he doesn't have a license yet. That means he's probably 14, 15, 16, let's say 17 at most. Joe Biden is 77 years old. So you'd have to say if he's 77 years old now, right? We're going to back 60 years. So that would make it, you know, about 1930s. Number 1, In the 1930s, I don't know. I don't know how many big black community pools there were. I also question how many people were just openly gay kissing on the street in the 1930s and also doing that in a black community. Now, the black community has always had a history, especially when you talk about transgender and uh, I guess more specifically with uh, cross-dressing and kind of like the whole, you know, underground divas, RuPaul, drag race kind of thing. That's actually always been pretty strong in the black community, even back in the 30s. That was kind of where this whole whole drag thing got started with these black cabarets. So that existed. But in public, two men dressed as straight men kissing each other in public right in front of a big community pool. I fucking highly doubt it. Number two, you're also going to tell me that Joe Biden is now saying that a kid at 10 is going to say that my life's being made easier by being transgender. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, this is like the argument against, you know, a, a very potent argument that people that were gay or, or LGBTQ or anything you want to say would make pertinently when people would say it was a choice to be what you're going to do and say, why would I choose to be this? Why would I ever choose to be gay or choose to be trans? And the irony, of course, now is that a lot of kids, and this is what I was referring to earlier, these, these women, um, as a Can- I think she was Canadian researcher, uh, but she, she did studies into this, basically showing how the rates of children and especially female children identifying as transgender at these young ages, impressionable ages, especially within groups where half the group would suddenly become transgender above and beyond show that this is a peer pressure thing. And of course, a lot of these kids that don't transition do grow out of it. And you see a similar type of circumstance with the gay men, wherein they may just be gay. They're not necessarily transgender. They don't want to become women, but we do have a lot of pressure in society now when you have all the psychologists and all the doctors pushing this, because should you dare to go against it, then you get ostracized. You get you know, basically, they try to ruin your life. You have trans activists coming after you and trying to demonize you and say you're this horrible person for just saying, hey, let's take a second, not give these kids hormones, which will irrevocably change their body makeup. You can't go back once you do that. You're no longer reproductive once you do that. So I find it very, very strange that Joe Biden's you know, stating all these things. And actually, when I first listened to it, I thought Joe Biden was saying that he wanted to be transgender which I also thought was uh, was hilarious. And also, Amy Coney Barrett just got thrown over the coals for saying preferences, and Joe Biden's like, oh, you choose to be transgender? It's just, uh, it's a ridiculous double standard, uh, but a hilarious segment of the show. All right, so that's one Joe Biden thing I had to bring up from the town hall. Uh, <laughs> town hall. Maybe I should go get a job application at that pool since my voice is cracking like I'm a 17-year-old Joe Biden. Hey, man, come on, man, give me an application. And that's where they just beat the shit out of him for attempting to speak jive. And another thing I wanted to talk about real quick, they didn't really get into many hard issues. You know, that's another thing. This Trump town hall was pathetic. And Donald Trump's camp is demanding that they change the questions because the last debate is supposed to be foreign policy centric. It always has been, right? You have these town halls where this chick's asking QAnon questions and asking him to denounce white supremacy as if he hasn't done it 50 times already. And granted, I criticized him during the debate for not immediately denouncing white supremacy, even though he said it. People were like, well, he said it a lot of times. I get it, man. But when you're on national TV in the debate like that, just say it again. 
And I know, and Donald Trump's annoyed he has to say it again, I would be too. But, and, and, and again, these reporters keep bringing it up as though it means something different every time. Point being, the town halls were a joke. They're not asking serious questions. They're not asking policy questions. They're asking gotcha horse shit and they're throwing Joe Biden bullshit softballs. So hopefully the Trump campaign gets its way and this final debate does focus on foreign policy. You know, something that we spend quite a bit of, well, what our former budget was before we added $5 trillion in uh, stimulus money because they shut down the economy. But Considering the fact that we spent something like $1.3 trillion on our military and foreign policy budget this year, probably something we should talk about. Maybe trim that shit down, considering the fact that we're running ourselves off a fiscal cliff at the speed of sound. If you any time, if, you just, if, you, if you're real quiet, you can hear that fucking sonic boom every time they write that goddamn check and they, yeah, they get that fired up digital printing machine going. Brap. But... Getting back to Biden, you know, they didn't ask him about gun control much because, of course, they wouldn't. But Joe Biden's gun plan is going to cost AR-15 owners some $3.6 billion in taxes for guns they already own. Yeah, you heard right. I was just reading an article today talking about how his gun platform would basically mandatorily require you to register your gun if it is an AR variant, which means... Something like, you know, again, they're saying 3.6 billion taxes because it's like $200 per gun to register it. Now, number one, that's some fucking bullshit. Number two, you're immediately, once again, with any of these regulations, you're immediately going to put a segment of the populace who maybe can't afford to pay a $200 registration fee because you might have a lot of people that have these guns. Maybe they're heirlooms that are passed down to them. Maybe they've acquired them and they are very poor out in the middle of nowhere. $200 $200 is not a cheap amount of money, especially if you've got multiple guns. And some people may have, either for hunting, for self-protection, or for whatever else, several of these. Now, you owe the government $800, so you go, well, I'm not going to register all of them. I'm going to wait. Well, guess what? Now you're going to be labeled as a felon for not registering your AR-15. Now the government may have the ability to come to your house, kick in the doors, right, you know, arrest you for uh, non-payment of this federal tax, and... What's going to happen from that? Oh, that's right. One more step towards civil war. Or we get more cops being shot. Or you get IRS agents being shot. Or you just get innocent citizens being thrown into fucking jail for owning a gun that they already legally purchased in a previous time when sanity ruled this country. So once again, another reason that you should not be able to tolerate Joe Biden. Okay, let's take a quick break, come back, we'll do a little laptop talk with Hunter Biden, talk about this text censorship nonsense, which is just above and beyond insane, and why it was so stupid to begin with, and then uh, then we'll get it in a little bit more of uh, Idiots of the Week. I got a couple Idiots of the Week that we can talk about too, guys, including Jeffrey Tubin and his magical Zoom Tube. Hey guys, I want to tell you about a good morning show that you should be listening to, and that is Good Morning Liberty. Yeah, our good friends Nate and Chuckles over there, they're spitting out Liberty just about five days a week. And honestly, it's a show I greatly enjoy listening to because, much like me, but to a lesser extent, obviously, they're guys with a good sense of humor. They got good banter back and forth. They're addressing current events. And also, they're coming from a real nice position of logic and and. <laughs> I tend to be a little bit more caustic in the show, even though I uh, started it as a more approachable version. But they're looking to build bridges. They're looking to find ways we can talk about liberty to other people, trying not to take a real uh, uh, real mean and evil approach while also having healthcare backgrounds so they can talk about all your healthcare issues as well. So check them out, guys. Anywhere podcasts are heard. Good morning, Liberty. All right, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 199. Uh, show notes, and I do have a lot of show notes. Uh, God, I got like 20 goddamn links. If you want them, they are at lionsofliberty.com forward slash episodes slash ELL 199er. And you can also find links to all of the uh, shows we talked about. Good Morning Liberties there. You can hear the uh, the Tyler Colford track, hashtag free Ross. Our Lorenzotti coffee link is all in there. Yeah, go check out the show notes. And while you're at it, check out the new website. We recently redid it. It's a thing of beauty. And you could go to the Lions of Liberty store, get yourself a taxation is death shirt, 
remind people of the truth. We're talking about foreign policy. We're talking about that $1.3 trillion spent on our military budget for the Pentagon. Well, taxation is death, folks. And also the Miyagi-themed Mr. Miyagi wax on a tax off shirt, which is fucking awesome. So check those out, linesofliberty.store. All right, so... I won't refresh everybody on Hunter Biden, but I'll run through it real quick. Basically, what they are saying, and no one has denied this yet except uh, fucking Adam Schiff, uh, naturally, the head of the House Intelligence Committee, uh, has denied that Hunter Biden had, or at least someone associated with Hunter Biden, had dropped a waterlogged laptop off at a repair place in Delaware, which is uh, where I guess he was based at the time, or maybe he still is based. So he drops his laptop off, never comes back for it. And the owner of the store says that he tried to contact him several times or contact the owner, as he says, several times. No one ever came to claim it, claim it. And so this guy, and again, I don't, I don't know why. I guess maybe he had to open it up to check the content, but ah, starts going through the laptop and he's found all this treasure trove of emails. He makes a copy of the hard drive. He gives it one, co- one copy of the hard drive to the FBI and I'm going to get back to that in a minute because that's where it gets very juicy and very QAnon-ish. But he gives one copy to the FBI because they subpoenaed and took it, as well as I think the whole laptop. He made a copy of that hard drive and then sent that over to uh, Rudy Giuliani and his lawyer. And that was then shared, I think, with Steve Bannon and some others. But long story short, these emails that were found on this laptop, as well as many pictures of Hunter Biden and the Biden family. So it certainly looks like it is his laptop. It had some stickers on there for, you know, Biden stuff and Bose foundation, uh, as well as a video of Hunter Biden having sex with somebody. And of course, pictures of him with a crack pipe in his mouth certainly seems to be Hunter Biden's computer. And we've not seen a denial from Hunter Biden, nor the Joe Biden family or campaign about this. They are basically uh, silent on the matter, and that leads me to believe that it is completely true. Why else? I mean, if the, if it was any partially uh, falsified information on it, I think, or in, in any part of this telling, they would be out there pretty vociferously telling us that it was a lie, that this was fake. But as mentioned, the only person telling us that the emails which implicate Joe Biden in a pay-for-play access scandal involving Hunter Biden with uh, Burisma, uh, you know, the Ukrainian oil company, as well as with Chinese firms that are closely linked to the communist Chinese government, wherein they were paying him something in the amount of $10 million, I think it was what was discussed by the Chinese firm, um, the Ukrainian Burisma-linked contacts with his business partner, of which there is a picture of Hunter Biden's business partner with Joe Biden, as well as these email chains. They all heavily implicate uh, Joe Biden in the scandal and that he was involved. Like I said, though, the only person that is out there trying to pretend that this is somehow hacked information that is somehow a misinformation or disinformation campaign is Adam Schiff. The same Adam Schiff, who, of course, has been leading the Trumpgate scandal and, and you know is responsible for blatantly lying time and time again about what the deep state knows or the intelligence community knows. He's the one, the goddamn head of the House Intelligence Oversight Committee. He's the one out there blatantly looking Americans in the face on television every day, putting out quotes, putting out releases, telling us that this is a Russian disinformation campaign when it is clearly Hunter Biden's fucking laptop. And those emails are clearly authentic. Or we would have blatant, blatant denials. Additionally, we have several interviews with John Ratcliffe, who is the director of national intelligence, saying flat out, no, this is not a Russian disinformation campaign. Schiff does not know what he's talking about. He is lying to you, and he is blatantly trying to use the intelligence commission, the intelligence community, and his role as head, you know, head of this House Oversight Committee committee to gain politically to try to do damage control, and again try to obfuscate what is the truth and what is a big scandal. Now, the biggest thing about this is that, I mean, you could argue that, okay, we all know how the game is played in Washington. 
I think, I mean, I was convinced that Hunter Biden was taking money and giving access to Joe Biden way back when this was initially discussed, when there was just the rumors about Burisma. And we just knew for a fact that he was getting paid something like $50,000 a month to sit on a board when he was a guy that was a fucking meth addict cokehead who got kicked out of the military and has no skills nor experience in the gas industry, let alone uh, the clean gas industry or natural gas industry, doesn't speak a word of Ukrainian and has no contacts but somehow sits on this board of this massive company for $50,000 a month. That alone is more than enough to tell me that there's some shady shit going on. But now we have the emails, we have the trails. But here's the thing too, though, on top of all of this, is like we knew that was happening. Really, Joe Biden being implicated in this, and I heard, I'm trying to remember, uh, I think it was, maybe it was Sassman. One of these Republican senators was on an interview show, and I think Dave Smith played on part of the problem. I was, I was tuning a little bit of that. Um, he's talking about how Joe Biden is implicated in this. And I haven't seen any definitive proof of this because we haven't seen the actual emails. or I haven't read one yet. They've released a lot of them, though. But supposedly implicating Joe Biden as getting a cut of this money. Now, if that's true, then without a doubt, this guy needs to go to prison because he's now using his office to take bribes and kickbacks to basically shovel money from the taxpayer by virtue of his office and influence directly into the pockets of these companies. He is a lobbyist working undercover of being a senator. Now, that, of course, is something that should a, disqualify you from, from the presidency or the vice presidency, for that matter, but should also be something that the entire media stratosphere should be covering. I don't care who you're in camp for. You need to cover something of that magnitude. And on top of that, we also have Hunter Biden implicated in child pornography because we're seeing rumors that he was involved in what they're saying was sex with underage Chinese girls. This is not the video they found, but they're saying, and there's other sources that are pinging through saying, well, the reports are that there are also either conversations or evidence or pictures on this hard drive of him with underage girls in China specifically. And the FBI uh, investigator that took the hard drive is a guy that specifically investigates child porn. And that's what he's doing for the last five years. So it's a bit curious that that is what's happening, that the FBI is subpoenaing this hard drive with its child pornography on it or alleged child pornography on it, and that this guy is handling it. It's not hard to do the math on that. So that's all I'll say about that laptop scenario, because I want to talk about now And again, too many other people have covered it, so I don't want to go into it deeply. But let's just talk about the way this has been handled by the media. I mean, you're looking at then people from the New York Times, CNN, all these articles. Like, I was trying to find the original New York Post article, which, of course, was completely blanked. It was fucking 1984 into the machine that erases all mention of it. Couldn't talk about it on Twitter. Ban could not share it. You got your account suspended. You had people that worked for the fucking White House had their account suspended. Very powerful people got their account suspended and shut down for sharing this story. You had Facebook disable any ability to share links, even in private conversations back and forth on Messenger to each other. And I'm sure they weren't the only ones doing it. And their reasoning is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Their reasoning was that because it was quote unquote hacked material or unverifiable material that was gotten in a roundabout fashion, that somehow this broke all the journalistic ethics, which they had been touting and flouting in every other fucking story they've run for the past five fucking years. Can you name me one story? that didn't have the information gathered from an illegal source. Trump's taxes, for instance. Do you think Trump provided his IRS returns to the media? Of course not. Somebody leaked that information. Or it was hacked. We don't know. But isn't that in the exact same unverifiable hacked slash emailed says gotten about by Ill, ill-gotten means of information retrieval that we would see on display here? Except here, you have a physical laptop. You have the story right there in front of you. A laptop was left. We have it. We have the physical the physical uh, cartridges. Cartridges. I don't, I don't know where I could put cartridges out of my ass there. But to say that somehow these major platforms have found their integrity to limit 
a very specific story. While there are ample other fucking crazy conspiracies, pieces of information, shit about Trump. I mean, my God, the whole thing with the uh, the Steele dossier, unverified, salacious, salacious material, that's out there, no problem. Share it all day, talk it up. And, you know, if there was anything with uh, with Donald Trump Jr., I've seen stories of that come out. I've seen uh, you know unsolicited stories about Donald Trump's business dealings. No, those can all come out, but God forbid. God forbid the New York Post, a major news outlet, publishes a story that could harm God's son, fucking Hunter Biden. Son of the would-be God, Joe Biden, to the left. I mean, if you've ever seen big tech censorship on display, more than that, I can't think of it. And the thing is, this was such a stupid move. Even for something like, look, let me put on my, my nefarious supervillain cap here. If I'm motherfucking Facebook, if I'm Jack over at CEO, CEO, sorry, if I'm if I'm Jack over at Twitter, the CEO of Twitter, I'm not going to ban you from sharing this. The smart thing to do would simply be to limit who could see it, shadow ban it, basically shadow ban the story. So only a few people far between would see it, try to muffle it that way and let it play out and hopefully go away. By outright banning it, all you're doing, and they're calling this the Streisand effect, which I don't even know what the fuck that means or why Barbara Streisand is uh, <laughs> is implicated in it. I don't know. Was there a story about her giant nose coming out? I mean, I don't, I don't know why Barbara Streisand, the Streisand effect in here. But by saying you cannot talk about it, the number one thing people are going to do is talk about how they're not allowed to talk about it. I mean, I've done PR for so long that I can, I've told my clients this. The best way to handle a crisis is to own it quickly and try to get past it. Act quickly, act decisively. And if you, I mean, if there's plausible deniability, maybe that's an option. If you think it'll blow over. But for something like this, there's no fucking way. So by Facebook and Twitter banning it, they created the biggest story of 2020. The biggest story. There has been no bigger story, that, and this may have been the biggest one anyway. If Hunter Biden gets indicted and put on trial for, for either possessing child porn or taking part in child porn, you know, with underage girls in China, that would be the biggest story anyway. But now just the thought of it has been made into the absolute biggest story. And not only that, but they've given all of these lawmakers all the ammunition they need to come after them for tech censorship which I'm not a fan of. I mean, I, I honestly don't want the government involved. If these if these stupid fucking companies want to censor shit, good. All that's going to do is speed up the free market, speed up people going to parlor, which I'm on. You can follow us, follow me, at Brian McWilliams. Um, you can follow at Lions of Liberty on there. We are, uh, we're, we're pushing our content out, guys. We're being active on there now. So if you want to follow us, go follow us on there. But pushing people off this, like Facebook. My God, the amount of people now, I'm seeing posts flagged in Facebook all the time or we have to approve them. That's pissing me off. I've also seen shitheads. And by the way, <laughs> if I, this one guy or one or two people have flagged posts in our forum for hate speech, you know, either news articles or some stupid joke somebody said, if you do that, you're fucking gone. You're out. I don't need you reporting bullshit because your woke ass can't take a joke and bringing the wrath of Facebook down on the entire group and then bringing... I make busy making our lives miserable. I don't need that. But at the same time, we are actively looking into other platforms now. These these people have crossed the line. And they're so powerful. It's like everything with these people on the left. They don't realize when they cross lines because they're so used to nobody telling them they're wrong and pushing back and saying, look, fuckhead, we've had enough. You're going to see that with the election coming up. People have had enough. I said it before. I'm saying it again. Trump will win in a landslide. You're going to see all these idiots flabbergasted that the vote in mailing early results ended up being jack shit because you're going to have all these Democrat idiots mailing in their votes. 25 of them, 25% of them are going to be either mislabeled, uh, sent to the wrong places for whatever reason, they're going to be thrown away. And that's just on top of the regular mail loss. And you've got the GOP people who don't trust the left and they don't trust the mail. And they're seeing all these ballots that are being found burned or in ditches or whatever else. And they're going to go vote in person. I read some poll. And again, you can't really trust polls that much. But 
I read some poll that said something like, you know, 75% of Democrats were going to be voting by mail and 85% of Republicans are going to vote in person. And you're also seeing a large amount of voter turnout and registrations. The Democrats still are leading. They always seem to lead with voter registrations because they push for young people to do it. And by the way, registering to vote doesn't mean you're actually going to vote. They seem to forget that either. Uh, But you're also seeing GOP come very close this year. And usually they're out-registered something like four to one. And this year it's something like three to two or not even, you know, four to three. So I'm telling you, you're going to see a blowout. But they don't realize they've crossed the line. They don't realize that all the rioting, all the looting, all this shit crosses the line. All their woke politics crosses the line. All the shit that they've been trying to push through with in regards to abortion, you know, basically enabling it so you can have birth and then kill a born baby. Sickening. It is sickening to the average American. I don't care what your opinion on abortion might be. A born baby basically being taken away and euthanized, you're not going to be for it. And only the sickest of the sicker for that. And you see people in Michigan and you see these fucking assholes like uh, uh, Governor Blackface, you know, Northam in Virginia pushing this stuff. And the average person goes, this is a bridge too far. This is sickening and I can't stand it. And you're going to see it all. It's not all going to come home, Ruse, because as we know, as libertarians, the problems are not just with the left. The problems are on both sides. But as of late, it's hard not to just talk about the shit that's going on with the left because it's so bat shit fucking crazy. And this is, uh, again, you're seeing the media in the tank for them. People are going to, once again, not trust media. When they see media, I got off on the rant tangent about the social media, but when you see Brian Stetzer, when you see these assholes from the New York Times, when you see the people at, you know, at X, Y, and Z agencies, NPR saying, oh, well, this is media malpractice. I can't believe that they're reporting on this. We would never. Yes, you fucking would, and you should. You should report on this story. It's huge fucking news. It's the biggest story of the year. And you say you shouldn't report on it? All that smacks of is you covering your ass. Trying to pretend that it's either below you or that it's some sort of journalistic malpractice when you know you've been the ones that have been doing this malpractice. You should have covered it. You didn't because you're fucking hacks. You're politically biased hacks. And now you're trying to cover your tracks. You're trying to fucking run through the snow like you're in uh, in the shinning. And you got Big Jack with the axe following you. You're trying to cover up those snow tracks in the maze. But guess what? You're going to fucking die in that maze and you're going to freeze to death death because you are Jack. You are the psychopaths who don't realize that the world you live in is not reality. You are at the Overlook Hotel. See, I'm tying this in the Halloween theme, guys. You are at the Overlook Hotel. You don't realize media. You don't realize you left this elite. You're sitting at the fucking bar drinking your goddamn ghost liquor. You've always been there. And that's why you can't seem to figure out a way to leave. And you can't see the reality that exists around you. So I'm cheering on. A quick demise. It's just, I, I mean, I've, I've never seen anything like it. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Okay, let's finish this up as I'm getting tired of yelling. It's been a long day. I had a busy day today. Okay, so two really dumb things. Number one, San Diego public schools are going to overhaul their grading systems to achieve, quote, anti-racism. <laughs> Which, you know, naturally... Changing your schooling, uh, your grading system, because certain portions of the population aren't doing as well as other portions of the population never seems like a great idea to me. But apparently, people of the San Diego Unified School District don't agree. So Vice President Richard Barrera told a local NBC affiliate, this is part of our honest reckoning as a school district. If we're actually going to be anti-racist, we have to confront practices like this that have gone on for years and years. These are just practices as far as grading, abolishing the grading system. District officials, this is from a reason story, by the way. District officials evidently believe the practice of grading students based on their average score is racist. And dismantling racism necessitates a learning environment free of pressure to turn assignments in on time. Because, you know, why would you want to teach children that you need to turn in assignments on time? Why would you want to teach them time management or responsibility management, right? No, of course not. Let's just make sure that nobody has to turn in assignments on time. So they released data showing minority students receive more Ds and Fs than white students. 
Just 7% of whites receive failing grades as opposed to 23% of Native Americans, Hispanics, and 20% of blacks. Under new, the new system, students will not be penalized for failing to complete assignments, and teachers will give them extra opportunities to demonstrate mastery of subjects. The grades will no longer reflect their average test and assignment scores. Quote, common grading practices. Oh, that was annoying. Don't you love it when a fucking article jumps down the goddamn webpage because a fucking ad loads too late? Makes you want to punch your screen? I do. Okay. Common grading practices such as averaging a student's grade over time can disadvantage students who started the year behind grade level and can discredit the process, the progress a student has made, experts have said. Well, okay. I could see some truth to that. Now, especially as I work with foster youth a lot um, through nonprofit that I work with. And I acknowledge, yeah, if you start late, then yes, it's going to be harder to catch up. And especially people that have transferred around to different schools, very hard to catch up. So yes, that makes sense. But at the same time, the article goes on to say the approach, which is confusingly written, still includes letter grades and they will reflect student, quote, mastery rather than completion of homework, quizzes, and tests. Now, what this seems like to me seems like a school system that is going out of its way to pander to woke fucking bullshit while going out of its way to disadvantage students of color. And let me explain why that is. So I already said, I don't think it behooves anybody to eliminate responsibility, to eliminate uh, a stringent set of everybody has to abide by the same rules in this environment. Number one, you're going to create a lot of derision and a lot of uh, resentment among students who had done their homework, who did get their shit turned in on time, who did study, etc. A lot of what's happening here probably comes down to the home environment. And as I've said before, there are a lot of differences between environments that have a stable home, full, you know, two parents in the household, uh, that type of thing in regards to the opposition of a one parent household or no parent household where they might be living with secondary family. Again, maybe they have moved around to different houses. Maybe they are not in permanent housing. These are all factors that definitely do come into play. But simply saying we're going to eliminate the grading system and, and eliminate the need for responsibility from people in, at an individual level is retarded. And now talking about the grading system being... <laughs> Being reflected on a student's, quote, mastery of the subject rather than completion of the quizzes and the tests, all that does is give the school an out. And this is a problem because we're seeing it across the board in all of our schools is the dumbing down of and the, and the lowering of standards as far as the grades are concerned. Why is this a bad thing? Well, I'll tell you. Number one, so the students giving it, basically the teachers are giving themselves an out and the school district is giving itself an out, wherein they're not going to be held to the same standards. That means when they report, they don't have to show we did better in X, Y, and Z. Here's how our scores went up. Here's how you can actually empirically compare our performance year over year. Oh, isn't that convenient for these fucking publicly run union-backed schools who no longer have to have any accountability because they're now going to be giving grades upon the, quote, mastery of the subject, and they have ample ways to show mastery outside of test results. Okay, so... A kid who usually would have gotten a D and brought down the entire grade level of the school district and probably would lead to failing out. Oh, well, now that student, he's magically receiving Bs. Oh, well, you know, he didn't have full mastery of it. He still would have gotten Ds. And in fact, maybe he would have gotten Fs. But now because they can have a discussion and really ask them, and I'm sure ask them questions they know they can answer. Well, now the grades are all going to magically raise up. But the problem that comes here is twofold. Number one, for us as taxpayers, they're going to get more money because they're going to have better results. So from a federal funding level, they're going to get allocated more money. Great. Wonderful. Isn't that lovely for them? They can put on that they're a special fucking school and put a goddamn sticker on the window. But for the students of that school who are now going to go on and with their, their brand new Bs and B pluses, they're not going to try to go to school. These same disadvantaged students or these same minority students that hadn't had the greatest grades to begin with are now going to go forward and figure that they can get into colleges with these same bullshit grades. Now, number one, a lot of colleges may not accept them because they don't have stores and they want them to have standardized scores. Now, we saw some colleges are no longer going to use the SATs because they're too woke for that. Instead, they're going to get them in on you know, based upon their backgrounds and diversities and whatever other bullshit you want to pretend. And these kids are instantly going to fail it. 
But you've got these students that, uh, let's say, half of them aren't going to get to go to schools anyway because they're going to completely fail the SATs or the ACTs or whatever they might be using. They're not going to have the basic skills to do it because, quote unquote, mastery of a subject isn't going to get you a, uh, a passing grade on a test that actually quizzes your individual knowledge. And then number two, let's say you get into college. Is the college also going to grade you on quote unquote mastery? Or are they going to give you fucking tests? Unless you're going to Evergreen, they're going to give you tests. And now you're going to be failing out at a high rate. And if anything, that probably is going to make those schools say, you know what? We either have to lower all of our standards. So we've got a lowering of standards across the board and just fucking morons rolling out of all of these colleges and all of these high schools. Or they say, you know what? We can't take in students from your school. Because all it's doing is lowering our graduation rates. It's lowering our success rates and making us look bad. And it doesn't help the students because now they're struggling like a motherfucker in any school they get into. I mean, Thomas Sowell talks about this all the time. Anybody that is a real rational, honest actor will tell you this is a major problem within when you're talking about diversity, when you're talking about, uh, you know, non-white groups other than Asians getting into schools, these programs that do nothing to help the students. They don't do anything to go out of the way to say, okay, let's change the way we're teaching maybe to reach these students rather than change the way we're testing. By lowering the standards, all you're doing is making it harder for these kids, not easier. You're making it basically so that they are destined to fail. You are setting them on a path to failure. And this is one of the surest ways I've fucking seen to do it. So there you go. There's one idiot of the week. The second one is just, guys, how do you not, how do you not appreciate, and I suppose I forgot to play the Idiots of the Week song. Here you go. I'll play it real quick before this last story. No reason or sanity to be found. Idiots and assholes all around. When stupidity is at its peak, it's the idiot of the week. Again, thank you to Josh Anderson for that, did he? Okay. Jeffrey Tubin. <laughs> CNN, I believe CNN legal expert, uh, known philanderer having banged, uh, I think it was, God, what's her name? Greenly, Greenfly, I don't know. Some, some redheaded gal that worked with a CNN colleague of his, got her knocked up and then uh, did a paternity test and proved that the baby was, <laughs> was his. But Jeffrey Tubin, who is also, of course, a lead writer for New Yorker and has written about a numerous number of topics and gotten uh, many accolades for that. I guess they were on a Zoom call with CNN and they're rehearsing some, uh, I don't know, some bullshit coming up, some coverage where they wanted to go back and forth and they're all doing role playing. You know, somebody's playing Biden and somebody's playing whatever else. And he was playing, I guess, the courts. And, and again, I'm not going to, I'm not sure the exact specifics of what they're practicing, but. <laughs> they take a break. <laughs> they take a break. And Tubin pulls out his tube, his Zoom tube. He pulls out his, his uh, Zoom tube out of his pants and holds up, turns to the side, holds up his camera and starts jerking off into it. And this is like in front of 10 people. Why he thinks the Zoom call didn't have video. I don't know. Cause that was his excuse. He goes, Oh, I didn't know the video was on. You know, I obviously said sincere apologies. <laughs> they're, they're all just sitting, all the brass, the big wigs, all these personalities are sitting there. And they are uh, chatting amongst themselves during this little, this little break. And he just turns to the side and starts jerking it. I'm dying to know who he was talking to on the other line. Like, I, I, I'm desperate to know. Who was on that other phone Zoom call? Because he had to have him queued up during the call, right? Like, if he's there, he had to, I mean, I guess he had muted himself. He had him planning this. And like, what kind of man has to feverishly masturbate where you can't wait until this practice Zoom call is over, you know, taking place like election simulation or something like that coverage wise. And you're like, I gotta, I gotta cue this up. I have no time to masturbate later. I gotta go out and pick up my baby mama's kid. I gotta go and get my shoes shine. I have to masturbate during this five minute break, and I can't even think to turn my my computer laptop camera off before I do it. It's just amazing. So he's now been suspended. 
Some people are saying you should be fired. I don't think so. I think this is one of the funniest things to happen. And, uh, and of course, couldn't have happened to a funnier leftist hack. So bravo, Jeffrey Tubin. I say uh, keep zooming, keep tubing, keep flapping, and keep whacking, my friends. And that is my advice to all of you out there as well as we wrap this episode up. Guys, please, I have a favor to ask you. If you like this show, if you enjoy what we do, please share it. Give me a retweet. Give me a post to another forum. Give me a, a post on Reddit. Post it far and wide. This year is a big year for us. We're putting all of our time into uh, into really promoting, getting getting bigger, getting better, trying to grow this show into a true behemoth. And the hours and hours and hours of time we're putting in, uh, they need to pay off. So I am asking you to please share, listen, subscribe, tell people about it. And uh, we will keep putting out this amazing content for you every day. Well, not every day, every other day. <laughs> Until the end of time. Oh, and also, uh, big news. We're going to have a bonus show this week because Mark and Odie are going to be getting on with the boys from We Are Libertarians and uh, doing a little debate recap show. Spangle over there is going to be jumping on along with one of his buddies. So we will have a debate recap show for you. Another reason why I didn't go too, too far into that this week. So stay tuned for that. I think it's going to publish on Saturday, Saturday, Saturday night's all right. Yeah, anyway, Saturday. All right, from me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.